0: Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Wow, you guys are late today. You're starting late, and you're still late. All right, so we're going to start with an exciting song. I'm not very excited today because I really don't feel good today. So we're going to do this together. So I need children up front. We're going to do some motions, and everyone else to stand up, please.
1: quite a good showing of kids last week, and so hopefully all the kids that were here last week will come back, and if you were here last week, or if they were here last week, hopefully they'll bring another group of kids, and we will just grow, and we'll share the gospel, we'll have a little fun, uh, and it'll be a, a good time, and uh, more important than it being a good time, we'll be learning about God and from God's word, and growing, and just, okay, so I'm going to list uh, these, so we've been slacking off the last couple of weeks. Uh, which means I've been slacked off the last couple weeks. So these are two lists. We have two lists today so we can play catch-up of names in the neighborhood, around the church, okay? So uh, we're praying for these folks today as the Lord led us, and uh, I'm going to share both the lists and then both the the verses that go with that, both the verses that go with that, and then uh, we'll pray, and we do have some folks traveling and some folks who are in a difficult situation, and Brother Tim, very untimely, just got called away. So yeah, it's it's a good time to lift each other up in prayer, I think, then, right? Isn't it? Okay. So here we go. So we're from this is from last week then. Kimberly and Aaron DiBert of 2058 Lock Court. Which is right over here. Yep, yeah, right over here. Correct me if I get this wrong. Bonnie Whitner of 2052 Lock Court. Deborah Gladio of 2046 Lock Court. Barbara Dunbar of 216 Hefner Street. Right over there and a lot of dreams of 220 Hattner Street. And uh, it says, No matter how difficult my neighbor's trials may be, bless them with your grace to give joyfully to your people. First and foremost, may they give themselves to you. In all this, you grace greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials from 1 Peter 1.6. And then today, all right, we have Beverly Reichau or Rechow, I'm not sure how I say that exactly. Juan and Santos Garcia. Beverly's a 302 Hefner, and Juan and Santos are 312 Hefner. So we're right here on the block. Um, actually, that would be. Which way does the numbers go? Yeah. That's three, right? Does anybody know? Three is that way? Three is that way. Okay, so we're right over here on the opposite side of the street, first first and second house. Okay. And then 316 Hefner, Shayla Reed. 318 Hefner, Dasani Minor. And 322 Hefner, Melissa Witt. And it says. I pray this prayer for my neighbors that they will be strong and take heart, that they will wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord from Psalm 27:14. Okay, so we've made our list, and we have some idea of prayer. If you have a prayer request right now, what is it? If you could ask for one thing, what is it? What is it? Guidance. Guidance, amen. Go ahead.
0: Say it again. Help throughout time. Help Okay. Good. Anybody else? Ken. I need a McCann.
1: Alright. Help, help with the broken down truck. Okay. So, finally the pray for tells family that they have a
2: daughter that's been suffering through pain for seven years. I think it's fed into my hands there. She got Mel's disease
0: okay.
2: I guess. So, she has been cut open over and over again. say it again. I think it's uh, Madeline. Madeline, okay, Madeline, wow. Have you, uh, sometimes you think you got it difficult, you hear about being cut open over and over again for seven years to try to deal with the disease. It's only 20 years. that helps put things in perspective. <laughs> and we, at least we don't have to go through that. Ms. Chris. My
3: really bad in the last few
1: weeks. So. Yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, and fibromyalgia, and basically that's just pain. It's just pain, and it hurts a lot. <laughs> I've not personally had a mild, mild arthritis. Uh, I'm told, but um, they say if you have mild arthritis, if you've ever had aches in your joints or maybe overdid it a little bit too much, aches in your joints working out or doing physical labor, take that times about a hundred, and that's five more hours or arthritis like Miss Chris has it, so we're definitely praying for her. anybody else? Okay, so let's pray together and then we're going to uh, worship. And this time it's about the Lord. Uh, it is about his will being done on the earth, it's about his kingdom coming. It is about us learning from Him. It's not about the person that's elsewhere in the room. I know we have distractions. I know there are temptations. What? Go. I would praise
3: um, AJ, Jack, whatever they're calling him. Okay. okay.
1: The little baby.
2: But, um, okay. His kidneys
3: are improving
1: and they're just playing watch and see. Okay. Well, that's an answer to prayer right there. So. Yeah. All right. So let's pray. Father in heaven, you've heard these requests. And we know we came into your house. And this place is a, a house of prayer. And so everything that everyone was saying, and they thought they were just, well, these are things I need to pray about, where we know we were praying. This is us coming to you with these concerns. We pray for these neighbors who were listed. We pray, Lord, that they would know you in earnest. They would know you personally, that they would receive Jesus <clears throat> into their life, that, that he would become Lord to them, that that would become the most important thing over human relationships, over jobs, over finances, over whatever else. We, we don't know how much time we have left to serve you, Lord, but we pray that we will be active. And that Those whose names we called, who are going through the, the worst difficulties in their lives, they would, maybe they would be blessed. They would receive um, blessings and, and they hopefully would figure it out and give you the glory. And when we know it, when we pray for somebody and we see a miraculous turn, we should be open and sharing it. And so we, we just want to praise you, Father, for what's going on with AJ. There are others as well. Um, I know even as Chris is praying for ongoing healing and strength with her uh, arthritis and fibromyalgia, but it was way worse earlier this week, and then you softened it up. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would would continue to work in and through our body to serve you, Um, and then let us help you then, uh, help us, I should say, let us worship you in a way that honors you now. We could be anywhere else, and we could be here but not really here. And we need your help to be really here and worship you the way you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. not worship so I can preach, you know what I'm saying? So there's only so much left in here. I got a cough drop. We'll see how that helps if we get to that point. But um
0: yeah.
1: point is, this is inspirational moment time. What have you seen? What have you heard? What has God been saying? What did you come to share with us today? Miss Chris. Well
3: I just noticed something a little bit ago and it just like tickled my heart. So when New Hearts New Hearts I first started I was the one who did all um, the switching of the music,
0: the, the, back then we didn't have the fancy computer, we had the sheets, yeah. <laughs>
3: and then eventually I taught Tommy and Aaron, they would come sit back with me and do it, and now Aaron has Caleb sitting back there and doing it, yeah. and it just, it just tickles my heart that we're like, passing it off.
2: Yeah. God is good. All
3: right, Who else? So, uh, I thought I was going to be poetic today. And I didn't always try to be poetic. Uh, when i was 23 years old. I was always had uh, my strings pulled. You know, I was I was lost. I was never able to recover. When I called out the name Jesus, He cut my strings. You know, I'm free to live for the Lord Jesus. I'm also free not to I have eternal life and a new spirit, a new life in Christ Jesus. Done, said, and done. And, man, nothing, to anything can do that. That's something. That great hope we have in everything is a Christ follower. But those strains, they're still there. They're cut. And for 10 years, you know, through insecurity, ignorance, all that stuff, um, you know, I allow people to grab those the strings, get over them. Not just them, but personal demons, seeing itself, all the stuff that's going on in my life. You know, I told him the other day, I'm not joking, but I have a third-degree heartburn inside. I'm burning. I'm just absolutely hurting like the no other. And uh, so I ask you to keep me in prayer for that. But no matter what, when I was at VBS uh, Tuesday, which just love Him. you never can outserve God, never. And when we're truly following the Lord, we're we're doing, we're not serving just because you know we're supposed to. We're serving because we love Him. We're serving because He died for us. We're serving because it's the right thing to do. When you're serving, you know the Lord will speak to you. And uh, you know we've all heard Matthew and Jesus, you know, Tom, come follow me, like. Especially if you're older, you heard it many, many times. And so, but I got something out of it, you know, I haven't heard ever. You know, it was so cool when we were talking about Matthew and the tax collector, when he said, come follow me. And uh, I got to this point where I was like, you know, I don't think for a second that Matthew was looking for Jesus. Hmm. He was a tax collector. He wasn't looking for the Messiah. He wasn't reaching out for the Messiah. Now, deep down, everybody's looking for a Messiah. Everybody's looking for an answer. Everybody's looking, but they're not willing to look. But Jesus calls about out by name and says, come follow me. And it was the coolest thing. It's like, we're not always looking for God. And I think that's okay. We're not always wanting to live for God, do what's God. But that's not the point. It's that God's looking for us. It's that God loves us. You know, you know, we're called to serve. And I'd like to just say that that's not a good way to say we're called. It's because God's calling us by names, calling us out, by His strength. He's calling us up by conviction, by hope, by His armor, by His fruit. It's His love that helps us reign for Him to do what we're called to do. Amen. And I just think that's so cool because, you know, when we get to that point, you know, we feel like we're burned out and, you know, we feel like we're done. And God's like, you are done because it wasn't your fire. You are done because it wasn't your hope. It, it's not ours. It, it never will be. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want to uh, let us have it and be blessed by it, but it, it really isn't ours. And it, it's, it's never ours. It's God's. So what I guess I'm saying out of all of this is, you know, when people say God loves you, and I have no problem saying God loves you, when you say God loves you, You have to understand that when God loves you, it means that when He says He loves you, it means that what love really is, is that God chooses you every day to be everything He says that you can be. Every day He makes that choice to be there and be the Father, be everything He says He's going to be. Because love that extinguishes love is no love at all. He stays love. That's why God is love. Because He'll never settle for anything else he is
1: love. Okay, where else? Uh, uh, somebody else? Yeah? Mike? Mike
2: you realize we got share a song anyway, about being walking the path of determination and if obstacles come up, we're supposed to make, take your head on and smash through it. And it just so happens I was hit kind of hard this week. What's inside here? I'm not a divide. the stuffed. Stuff. But uh, it was pretty bad. And usually in these situations, i blow my stack. I didn't. And I didn't know what. I looked at my wife and what the heck? And I talked to my dad he said, what? what? And it just it, remembered, it, it, it you get done, you know why. You know, you're supposed to walk that path, be determined, no matter what comes through walk with God, and you tear it down, and uh, I mean, it really, I spoke the words, and then I put it into action, and it blew my doors off, and it's pretty cool. Thank you for putting it back off where you
1: came here. (laughs) Praise the Lord, that is good stuff, and that's it. I think it's interesting how, you know, we can pile through and break down barriers, but when God does it, we're... Awesome. That's, that's a good feeling. You know, that God is doing it, and we when we're doing it outside Him. We can do. There's a lot you can do outside God. You shouldn't, but there's a lot you can do outside God that we were created His image. When we're not following Him, we can do a lot. And I, most of that ends badly. <laughs> you wind up paying a dear price for it. But man, when He does it, what an awesome thing! That's awesome. All right. Okay. So we're gonna pray together. Jump back into just a little more worship, and then go to the Word. Thank you so much for coming and willing to share your uh, experiences with the Lord this week. That's how we all grow. That's how we all work together, right? And take little steps forward and reach the heights in Jesus. And everybody here is in a different situation. Everybody is facing different trials, but everybody is facing trials every day, right? There's no temptation except that with this common demand, but your temptation by name might be completely different than somebody else, right? But everybody has it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we transition today, I'm asking the Lord, uh, just continue to do what you're doing. Just watch over us and favor us and give us strength, encourage us and give us endurance. Lord, let us, let us realize that it was you who called us out of the darkness, that it was you who has loved us every step all the way along to get us even to this very geographical spot here today. Wherever we're at on our journey, whatever our next stops are, it's going to be you that's going to be in us and with us. And carrying us on to the next place. And uh, Lord, thank you so much that we can see changes in us. That, that really helps us. Helps us glorify you. Helps us know that you are at work. Uh, Lord, we pray for those uh, who are searching you out. Who are searching out what they're supposed to do. We pray for guidance and, and wisdom. As we go to your word, we pray for the hope and the strength that only you can provide, that we can better understand what it is that you have for us uh, to do, to carry out being your people. Fill us with your spirit, with knowledge of who you are and what you'd have us to be. We put ourselves under your direction. I want to thank you for the inspiration moment all the time that's been such a part of who we are as a church. We know that you're speaking. We know that you're working in our midst. Pray for our absent folks who didn't get to hear that. Maybe they're watching on the Facebook or going to be listening on the podcast. Um, Lord, let let them, too, grow and uh, reach new heights in Jesus as they experience what you're doing in the lives of others. Maybe if they're out there, they would have had something. They'll come next week and they'll share it with us. And so we can also grow by what they're going through. I ask your blessings upon the tithes and offerings that are now... given, and some of it's electronic, and people are giving online, and some are putting in the offering plate, Lord, but we know that all the money that comes to the coffers needs to be used for your glory. It can be used for glory, and in so doing, it can be multiplied, and its influence can be multiplied, we're literally supporting missionaries that are reaching folks so far away that we'll never meet them in our lifetime, and at the same time, Lord, we're doing your work here with what you bless us with, and so we ask you to do just exactly that. Bless us with what you have us. To use for your service, and we praise you for what you're about to do. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: If y'all would stand with us and uh, just make a joyful noise with us this morning. All right. Oh. Dream of...
1: Some years ago, the Lord uh, intervened in Sherry and I's lives in a, a, in a fairly miraculous way to move us to Michigan, and we lived in Mason, Michigan, on the square. It's a county seat town, and so it's a big square right in the middle of the town with a courthouse in the middle. And um, on the back side of that square, there was a church building. And every summer, which we were there for two summers, every summer they would have a rummage sale. And I like rummage sales. I like garage sales. I like flea markets. I like everywhere you can buy something for maybe about what it's worth or cheaper if you can get it, right? And instead of paying, going to the store and paying for uh, the price of what it's worth plus all the promotion plus all the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, keep the lights on and everything like that. So I like rummage sales, garage sales, yard sales. So I walked with Alicia and Amalia. Alicia, uh, Amalia was only about two and a half years old. And so she was in the stroller. And we walked up to the rummage sale at the church building there. And I bought about like seven things. Now, one of the things that I bought was a pair of tennis shoes. They were Nike tennis shoes. But they were tennis shoes like I had never seen before. They weren't like radical. Like I just went uh, this week and had to buy a new pair of tennis shoes and they're red. And like, now I wear red shoes. I remember that one red shoe, the movie with the spy. And if you're wearing one red shoe, that's the spy. But anyway, you probably don't know that. But the point is, uh, so this was a pair of leather, white leather tennis shoes. They're soft leather on top, good sole on the bottom. And I bought them for 50 cents. 50 cents. Now, they were almost like new when I bought them. And I like these tennis shoes. I wore these tennis shoes, this 50-cent pair of tennis shoes, for roughly about three years uh, until the soles were starting to get worn out, you know, and they weren't providing any cushion for my foot anymore and like that. But then I thought, man, I need another pair of tennis shoes like that. I, I thought about that brand, I thought about that make and model, if you will, of tennis shoe, and I thought, I need another pair of tennis shoes like that. Now I would go to the store, I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> I would go to the store and I would pay 60, 80 bucks for this pair of tennis shoes, new. Because I had it for that several years, and I loved it. It was good for my foot. It was comfortable and felt like I didn't, wasn't going to twist my ankle. And I, I had, I'd get wet. My feet wouldn't get wet. I mean, they would eventually soak through, but they weren't waterproof or anything. But it would repel water, and they repelled repel dirt. I didn't have to clean them very often. I'm like, this is the best pair of tennis shoes I ever owned. Now I paid 50 cents for it. Now I'm ready to go to the store and pay like 80 bucks for another pair of these tennis shoes. We're in the midst of a sermon series called Brand Recognition. Now, it's a play on words because, and we'll read the text again in a minute, uh, but Joshua, the high priest, was called a brand pulled from the fire. We talked about how it's uh, talking about a brand like you would brand an animal with or back in the day it was probably just a hot stick piece of wood that they would heat up real hot and the end would some of the cold would break off would get red hot and you could mark something with it. But today we're going to talk about the features of a brand that you really would want, okay? So now you probably remember, for those of you who were last week, and I apologize, Ken, I'm going to fill you in the best I can, but we probably remember that we talked about last week that this brand thing, right, this, what was talking about was God favoring or owning someone, and then God wa- kind of washing away or wiping away their iniquities, and we even talked about how your righteous acts could be part of that iniquities, because we're talking about Joshua the high priest who's standing before God, uh, in the presence of angels and having to have his robes completely removed and replaced, even though he was supposedly the most righteous man, probably, in Israel. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the features of the brand that we want. Okay, and then kind of bear that object lesson in mind. If these are really the features of the brand that you want, then what would you pay? How far would you go? What's really at, what would you put at stake to get that? Okay. So we usually, uh, amen, hoot, holler, screech, yahtzee, something as we go to the book, of the, the Word of God. And so we're going to read from Zechariah chapter 3. Amen. Thank you very much. I didn't do that today because there is a very good possibility of time I get to the invitation at the end of this. I may be uh, whispering, okay? So if I have to stop in the middle and suck on a cough drop for a second, I apologize in advance. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm just having like an allergy thing because it's been going on for about three weeks. I don't think I'm sick. So I'm not going to give it to anybody, but uh, my throat is sore and scratchy, and I've had several allergy attacks in the last two days. I stopped taking my allergy medicine quite a while back because it was giving me headaches and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so all that being said, here we go. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, and the first of these verses, those of you who were here last week or listened to the podcast or watch online or something like that will recognize them because they're the same text from last week. So I will still break it down, but I'm going to go through it faster so we can really hammer the one for today, Okay. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And so we kind of have a sort of a court setting there. um, And we talked about how the angel of the Lord, the representative of the Lord, could be God or God's angel or could be Jesus, if you want to say that or whatever. But we have a, a powerful individual representing God, standing there and the high priest of Israel, standing in front of him. Okay. And then Satan there to accuse him. And it says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. And he says, Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So basically he shuts Satan down and says, Don't accuse him. I don't want to hear. I know he's done bad things. I don't want to. Just shut up. That's it. No more. He rebukes him. Just stand there and be silent. Okay. And then he says, Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And I gave you a little bit of that just a second ago. But the bottom line is, it was talking about him, talking about the Israelites, the Jerusalemites, how they were really only who they were because God had pulled them out, right? And we talked about how a brand can do what a brand does because of the fire it's been in, because of the pain it's gone through, because of the heating up it's done. A brand can do that because of where it's been, but really God is the one who plucked him and plucked, the Jerusalemites, and you could say plucked the church out of the fires of judgment and pain and tribulation and all of that. And he said, and he says to Satan, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In other words, does it not depend on me? Is he not someone I have pulled out, someone I have chosen? And he rebuked Satan because of what he had been through and also because of what God had done. Alright? Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And right there, I told you, like, the Jerusalemites would have went, oh, no, that's horrible. He can't be in filthy garments because he is the holiest man amongst us, right? Verse 4. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with festal robes. And so God's going to solve that problem. Now, the garments could represent his works of righteousness, his holiness before God, right? Right? And he says, we're going to take that away from you because your works of righteousness are as filthy, right? We're going to take that away from you and give you a new set of robes, festal celebration robes, so you can really get excited about what God has done. Okay? Then it says in verse 5, Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head so they, will put, so they put a clean turban on his head. So now he's dressed from the top to the bottom in all clean clothes and clothed them with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. Verse 6. The angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. So now he's correcting or straightening Joshua. Okay, this is where it gets interesting for us today. The angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now that's a traditional introduction for God speaking. If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house, and also have charge of my courts, And I will grant you free access among those who are standing here. Remember who that was. The angels, God, Satan. Right? Free access amongst them. All right. So, first thing I want you to see in here is I want you to notice the order of events. Okay? Notice the order of events First of all, he get, he's got the new clothes, right? He's got the festal robes. The stuff that he brought with him, the best that he brought with him, the righteousness that was as filthy rags or whatever that he brought with him has been taken from him, and he's got the festal robes. Now that he's got the festal robes, God looks at him and says, serve, do what I ask you to do, carry on my charge, and if you do that, then I will do this. So he's admonished to do what God asked him to do, and called into the service, if you will, and then God says, if you do that, I'll do this. So now, that's not talking about getting saved, right? He's already a brand pulled from the fire. He's already getting the old robes taken off with the new robes put on, right? But he said, if, now if, have, that having happened, if you will do the things that I have told you to do, then I will do these things, right? So there is an if. The grace of God that saved him, the grace of God that called him out, the grace of God that dressed him in festal robes is a prerequisite to this if. Understand? Okay. Second thing. The question is, why is there an if? Understand what he just did? He's standing before the God of heaven having had his dirty, filthy robes removed and a new turban put on his head, the festal robes so that the feast can begin, so that the great celebration can take place. And God says, now, if. Why is there an if? If you're saved, why is there an if you will do what God asks you to do? But there is an if. There really is. It blows my mind, but it's amazing to think that you have some concept of where you're going and where you're going to spend eternity, and that God is in you, and His Holy Spirit is in you, and God is seeing you through the difficulties, and there is an if. That, that blows my mind that we do that. Now, I understand that there, we, we, we struggle a little bit, if you will, with the, the, uh, the flesh still being with us, and our, our desires still being there, and our old man is still sort of present as long as we're on this earth. But here is a moment at which it is very clear and obvious that God has done what God has done. And I, I submit to you that same moment takes place at the moment of salvation. If you know you've been born again, if the Holy Spirit has come in you and now testifies with your spirit that you've been saved. If you've seen your spiritual gifts begin to be enacted, if you've begun to act in the service that God has given you to do and you, got that, you get that little feeling from God like, yeah, that was the right thing to do, then you know for, for a fact That this has happened for you. Then there really shouldn't be an if. Should there? But there is an if. In the book of Amos. In chapter 4. I'll go there. And we'll look at it real quick. If you've got your Bibles with you. Please do flip over there. Amos chapter 4. Through the prophet Amos. God is speaking to the nation Israel. And beginning in verse 11, I'm, I'm only beginning in verse 11 because it's kind of a long passage, but the, it leads up to it, and it's exactly like in 10. It says, I send a plague among you after the manner of Egypt. I slew you, your young men, by the sword. So it's the same topic, okay? In 11, he says, I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze. And it says, I, I pulled you out. I, I took you from the fire. and What you had been through, I made you able to serve me. I made you able to be saved. I pulled you out. He says, but then I overthrew you, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. See, they, they exercised the wrong side of the it. He said, if you'll do this, if you'll do what I ask you to do, after I pulled you out of the fire, if you'll do this, but then they didn't. It says, but yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I shall do this to you, prepared to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what are his thoughts, he who makes dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge. You know what a dirge is, right? That's, a, that's not a good song. That's a sad song. That's a a striking song. O house of Israel, she has fallen. She will not rise again, the virgin Israel. She lies neglected on her land. There is none to raise her up, for thus says the Lord God. The city which goes forth a thousand strong will have a hundred left. And the one which goes forth a hundred strong will have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord of the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live, but do not resort to Bethel, and do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to trouble. Seek the Lord that you may live, lest he break forth like a fire, O house of Joseph, and it consume with none to quench it for Bethel. For those who turn justice into wormwood, and cast righteousness down to the earth, he who made the Pelades and Orion, those are uh, constellations in the sky, And changes deep darkness into morning. Who also darkens day into night. Who calls for the waters of the sea. And pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. It is he who flashes forth with destruction upon the strong. So that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gate. And they abhor him who speaks with integrity. In other words, it got to be in their society that they, they didn't flock to the people who were doing the right thing. That were speaking up for the right thing. Instead, they despised those who spoke out for what was right. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor, exact tribute of grain from them, though you have built houses of well-hewn stone, yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions are many, and your sins are great you who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent, for it is an evil time. In other words, there were people who could speak up, but they were being quiet because they knew they would be attacked. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you, such as you have said. Hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Perhaps, the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. You see what they had done? There was an if. They were a brand pulled from the fire. God literally favored them. During the day of Joshua, there's a story about Joshua going out to war and, and it, against a huge army. And God rained meteor rocks down on and crushed thousands and thousands of enemy soldiers before they ever began the battle. God did amazing things on behalf of Israel, brought them out of Egypt. Look at the plagues, for crying out loud. Look at the things that he had done. And instead of following God, they exercised the if. Now, they were, still a, they were already and still a brand plucked from the fire. God had already favored them, chosen them, declared them. They were already a brand plucked from the fire. But then being a brand plucked from the fire, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. There is an if. And it remains. And I'm going to submit to you that after becoming a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this if is still the big question of your life. In the book of James in the New Testament, it talks about it in, in different terms, New Testament terms. Terms, If you want to flip there, you can. The book of James. I'm going to bless your pastor? Bring your Bible? Flip accordingly. If you can't keep up, use the table of contents. It's okay, I have to use the table of contents. Sometimes standing right here, I have to use the table of contents. James 4, 11-17, it says this, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Now this is written to Christians, followers of the Lord, who are a brand already plucked from the fire, who already have a set of festival robes prepared for them in heaven. Right? This is written to Christians. He says, you become a, a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your ignorance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Can you believe that? Can you believe that people who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who have had the God of heaven come down and be crucified on the cross and and then the Holy Spirit poured out into them and become the church, that those people would then go, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it. But people do it done it let's be realistic there is an if some people won't do what God wants them to do some of the time you might even say some of them all of the time after becoming saved does it sound stupid yes if your eternal soul is saved, why muddy it with, the, with stupid actions that go contrary to God? But people do it. People don't do sometimes what it is that God would have them to do. Let's take a little bit of a closer look then for our third point at the contingent promise. It sort of breaks down in, per- in pieces. First of all, he basically instructs him to govern his house. Now, do you know? what the house of the Lord is. You understand that it's not this building, right? Or any building that says church on the wall. Now that doesn't give you an excuse not to come to worship with believers. You're supposed to do that. That's a biblical uh, principle. This now becomes the house. And you govern it. God didn't save you. And then take your body away from you. He said, all of this that I have now entrusted you with. Now because you know that I have entrusted you with this. Govern it. Do a good job. Exercise the authority and power that I have given you. You now have a responsibility. He says, the phrase, take charge of my courts. Now the courts of the temple were the areas outside. And you may or may not realize this, but they were not governed by the priests. So the outer courts, for example, where the Gentiles worshipped even, Solomon's colonnade, they were not governed by the priests. They were governed by the king, or later by whatever ruler was ruling over when the temple existed and there was no Israelite king. Right? They were governed by the government. But here, God, if you will, is giving Joshua command or control of the grounds outside the main temple. He's taking it away from the king, which he assigned, and putting it back in the hands of the high priest. What does that mean for us? It means that you have to exercise the authority that is in you to deal with that which is outside of you. So it's not just, I'm responsible for me. You don't just get to go anymore. Okay, as long as I'm, I'm controlling myself, and I'm not watching things I shouldn't watch, I'm not doing things I shouldn't do, and I'm not saying things I shouldn't say... As long as I'm not eating things I shouldn't eat, as long as I'm exercising enough, and I am living an austere life for God, all is good. And stop right there. That's just not enough. God is putting under the charge of the believer or of the brand taken out of the fire who, just let's be real quick and say this again, who can do the work because they have seen the fire, they've been in the fire, they've been marked by the fire, they've been heated up, if you will, by the fires of judgment and tribulation and then plucked out by God. Because of that, he then puts the brand to work not only to do within itself, not for me only to do within what's in myself, but also to be concerned about what goes on around me. Govern my house. Take charge of my courts. Also, in that whole idea of taking charge of my courts is the idea of doing what religion, meaning what God commands, the laws, the rules, the precepts, the principles, right? Doing that, even if you were not saved, this would be true, but as a saved person, you still got to do what you're supposed to do. And as you do that, as you learn what it is that God would have you do, you carry that thing out. Now this is the the beauty of this, first of all, let me, let me just real quick, you may or may not know this, we're not going to read it, but there's a story in the New Testament, uh, and everybody likes to call it the story of the prodigal son, even though the word prodigal never appears in the story, and Jesus doesn't say that either in his own speech, but it's about a son, a second son, who wanted to take his part of the inheritance and live well while his dad was still alive, because he didn't, wait for the, didn't want to wait for the old man to die off. And so he does. The old man gives him his wealth, and he goes off and lives, and he goes on a foreign land, and he spends it frivolously. I heard a children's Bible say he bought a donkey, and then later that day, just gave it away for free. Uh, he drank all the time, things like that. You know, he, he just spent all this money up, right? And then it's all gone, and then he winds up feeding the pigs in the field, and he says, man, my servants in my father's household live better than this. I'm just going to go home and beg my father to just let me be one of his servants. So he goes home, and his dad's waiting for him on the porch, and he sees him, comes, runs, and falls on him, kisses him on the neck, right? Kisses him on the neck. He's like, oh... My son, who was dead, who was lost, is now alive and fine, And he's so happy. And he does four things immediately. Okay, not a rhetorical question. Altogether, the body. What are the four gifts, things? What does he do for the son returning? Anybody know any of them? Yep. What? The robe is one. Feast is another. Sandals is another. We're missing one. What? The ring. The ring, perfect. We got them all. That's exactly right. Now, does anybody know what the four things represent? Because you, th- you can figure it out. What's a ring represent? Think medieval times, not today. Power, authority, right? It can represent wealth, but it wasn't that kind of ring. It was more like a, a father giving a son a ring. I'm going to give you a diamond ring. I love you. Here's my diamond ring. That's, men do that for women. Sometimes women do that for men. But he, this was a ring of authority, right? This is power. This is you know, what? Take charge of my house. Now, he wasn't taking it away from his older brother necessarily, I'm not saying that, but he was reinstating his authority. He was not accepting him as a servant. Right? He gave him a robe. So anybody here who's ever been cold knows what a robe represents. Protection or, right, or provision, kind of, sort of. Like, just take care of him. Right? So he gave him his protection. He put his robe on him. When he walked back in that house, he'd walk back in in that Gentile clothes he was wearing from the other kingdom that were rags, terrible looking. Everybody in the house would have thought, well, he's at best a servant if they didn't know who he was. But he put his robe, a nice robe on him, right? And he gave him the provision or protection. And then he, he had a feast, somebody said, and he put sandals on his feet. Does me know what sandals represent? Come on, you've got to know what that represents, right? What? Peace. And kind of, yeah, kind of peace, but it's really like bringing peace, right? It's the message of peace, it's purpose. The sandals represent purpose. So you know you've got to take the gospel of peace, and that's where you're going with that, right? And so you, the sandals represent purpose. So he gave him purpose. So here you back. You get my authority. You get my protection. You get my purpose. Let's go have a party. And he gives him provision. Now, it's interesting because the robe, which could be considered protection, also the feast could kind of be considered protection because he was hungry, right? The robe could be considered provision. The feast could also be considered provision. You know why those two are so close to interchangeable? Because of what we're studying today. Because of what we're studying today. Govern my house, take charge of my courts, and I will give you free access. Let's go back and read from Zechariah again, that last verse, what God said he would actually give. If. Only if. Back in Zechariah 3 verse starting starting six and the angel of the lord admonished joshua saying thus says the lord hosts: if you will walk in my ways if you will perform my service then you will also govern my house and have charge of my courts you will govern my house you will take charge of my courts he says and i will grant you free access among those who are standing here free access i don't know probably eight years ago or something in our household we got a, a Prime membership. At the time, we got it for free. We had it for a whole year for free. And then we've had it since then. So you order something on Amazon Prime. They deliver it to you in two days. They're supposed to, most times, two days. And they don't charge you to deliver it. So we order quite a bit of stuff online, especially for the ministry and then, and then for the house. You can order things online cheaper than you can buy them in person and stuff. We're busy people. It's just very convenient. So anytime we want it, we just order online. It just shows up on the doorstep a couple days later. Free access free access to whatever you want, except you've got to pay for the item, right? But what does this mean? This means you don't even got to pay for it. This is literally free access. I want you to think of the of the throne room of God as a, a as a battle room. In the palace, in the castle, in the stronghold, the king's chambers, when the country goes to war, you walk in there and you see a big map on the table. You can picture this big map on the table, right? And there's the forces of the enemy and the forces of God or the forces of the human king, right? And they're all marked out on the map. And the generals come in and they say, well, clearly you can see over here we're outnumbered, but we need more forces. And so the king says, okay, well, we'll take these forces and we'll move them over there. This is free access to the throne room of God. This is the authority of God to do what must be done. This is the authority of God to rebuke demons and evil spirits. This is the authority of God to heal. This is the authority of God to prophesy. This is the authority of God to preach. This is the authority of God to deliver the power of God into the ministry of men. God said, yes, you're a brand plucked from the fire. Yes, I will give you perfect festal robes and you will spend eternity in heaven with me. Now, understanding that, if you will do what I tell you to do in a specific list, then I will give you free access to the throne room of God. Why does the church not have this kind of power? Why do Christians who say that they're living for the Lord... And we could all go, well, you say you live for the Lord, but uh, see this, you know, you're not even in the church. You're not serving. You're not worshiping. You're not giving. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And they say, well, I, I can't seem to feel God. I had a lady just tell me this week. I was witnessing to her actually over Facebook Messenger. I've been praying with her and stuff off and on over Facebook Messenger because she's been going through some stuff in her life. And she used to be in my youth group back at so some, some of you would know her. And she said to me, she said, I just have felt like God was so far away. While I was living with my boyfriend, I just felt God was so far away. And she said, I've been thinking about going out today right after work and buying a Bible because I felt like God was so far away. Okay, so there's two right there. If you will live for God, if you will take charge of my courts, take charge of my house and, and, and rule over my courts, then I will give you access to the throne room of God. That's what he said to the high priest of Israel. He said, if you will do that, I will give you access to the throne room. We think it's kind of amazing. Like I'm I'm like, sometimes I think if I'm God and Satan comes in the throne room, like, oh, here's my chance. (laughs) You know, I mean, obviously God could do that any day, any time, right? He chooses not to, but that's kind of how I feel about it because Satan really is sort of like I see him kind of like my enemy, you know, and like I would squish him if I could, except I'm not supposed to do that, and I know that, and I don't focus on it. But the point is, I think he just walks into the throne room. Here I am to accuse Joshua, and God just says, just shut up. He doesn't say die, he says, shut up, right? You can have access to the throne room of God where Satan will stand at the right hand of God accusing, well, probably just a little bit outside that now, right? Because there's Jesus there in the way. But the bottom line is, you can have access to the throne room of God if you will take charge and rule over and govern his house and his courts. We wonder why the church doesn't have the power the church is supposed to have. Because we think it's an if, and we choose not to do some of the things that God has given us to. You You say, well, I don't know. I, I don't even know for sure. I know exactly what those things are. But you do know some of exactly what those things are. The truth is, out of this scripture, we can see that God has promised us. He has shown us that God will rebuke Satan. He will change our robes. And he will something more. But that's as far as most people get. As far as most people get is being very grateful that God will one day change their robes, Being very grateful that God plucked them from the fire and that they're at least not going to hell. Instead of truly living for the Lord, figuring out what, God, what it is that God wants them to do and just doing that, making that their highest priority. I know a lot of people that do a lot of things for God And if I was to write that sentence out in front of you, a lot of things for God, I would write a lot of things all in caps and maybe like 50 point font and the for God in like two point font with the smallest pen I could find. And that is not how God has called us to live our lives. God has called us to live our lives to write the for God in 50 point font and a lot of things in two point font that you can barely see. There are a lot of marathon runners in the world. They train all year round to run in a marathon. What would you say a good marathon runner is? Ricky, what would you say a good marathon runner is? Somebody who's good at marathon running. Yeah, a person. What, how, if you if you talk with them and they say, I, I trained to run marathons, what would be the next thing they would have to say in order for you to say, well, you must be a pretty good marathon runner? Okay, so they got to train all the time, right? So they say, I train all the time. That would be the next thing they'd have to say. What if they said, well, I've never run a marathon. Would that be a good marathon runner? No. no. So you say, well, you're a runner, but you're not technically a marathon runner because you've never run a marathon. I say, well, I ran seven marathons. Would that make them a good marathon runner? Yeah. Pretty good, right? Because they ran seven marathons. Now, you'd be assuming they finished the marathons, right? Because I can go out and run about a quarter mile, and I can sign up for a marathon, run the first quarter mile, and then just kind of step off and sit in the shade and sip lemonade and call myself a marathon runner, but I only ran a quarter mile, not 26, right? But you'd be assuming, so, so assuming they've run seven marathons and they've finished them, is that a good marathon runner? Heck yeah, that identifies them as a marathon runner. Now, what if they came in 24 hours or more after the person who finished first? Are they a good marathon runner? They did it seven times. It's kind of getting a little lame. But it's still a good marathon. They still did it, right? They, that's more than I ever did. They, they still went 26 miles in two days or whatever, three days, whatever it took them, which I've never done, right? So it's something. But what if they said they finish in the top 10 most times they race? Now, that's a good, that's a great marathon runner, right? What if they said, I raced seven marathons last year and I was first every time? And now that's a marathon runner. That's somebody who's really doing what it is. That they say they are. We know. We know. There's no kidding ourselves. You know sitting right here right now. And I'm not saying you should judge yourself. Don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't get down on yourself. Don't play Satan's role. We talked about that last week. Don't take his role. But you know when God says if. If yes or if no. The Bible says study his word. You know whether you've picked up a Bible in the last seven days, electronic or paper, whether you've listened to it online. You know whether you're focused on the things of God or whether the things of God just kind of authorize you and make you feel good and you're glad you're going to heaven and you feel His Holy Spirit kind of comforting you at dark times of your life and things like that. You know whether that's your Christianity or whether you're getting up out of bed in the morning and going, man, I'm going to live for Jesus today. Let's see how we're going to do this. Come on, God. And some of it you already know because you've been praying and you've been asking God, okay God, what is it you want me to do? And now God said, I want you to do this. And you know that when you get out of bed tomorrow morning, somehow or other, that's what you're going to be doing. So now you're starting to live the if that God is talking about because you're running the courts, or running the house, and in charge of the courts. Right? Which is what God asked. And guess what God will do? When that is so, according to what Scripture says, what will He do? He will give you access to the throne room of God. It's not just about a reward eternal, church. Your life ultimately will be about whether or not you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because that's what's going to put you in heaven or not. But this day of your life, will be about having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Did you do today what it was you knew to do today governing his house in charge of his courts? The chief, most clearest charge that there is, the church doesn't do very well with. And it is this, Jesus wrote, or Jesus said, Matthew recorded it this way, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven. I want you to just listen to the words closely. All authority, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, in other words, because that is true, because I have all authority on heaven and on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. In other words, teach them to follow Jesus. Show them that they need to follow Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus so that they can be His disciples of all nations, all people, color, race, creed, financial situations, age, etc. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo... Everybody know how it ends? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Access, baby. Access to the throne room of God. Get out of bed in the morning, decide to do what it is that God wants you to do, and chief amongst that with the last words, essentially command or charge of Jesus. Remember, I, I mentioned to you that that verse or that phrase from Zechariah 3 also meant to do the religious things of God. You know what the religious things of God are? Tell people about Jesus. Period, stops there. The spiritual disciplines that will help you know God better, the things that God has called us to to relate to Him, the ways that relate to Him, like reading your Bible and praying and worshiping and giving and serving. And the list goes on. All of those things, they are activities in which you should institute inside yourself and in the courts all around you. Men, start a stinking devotional in your house. If you're the only one that does it, then you do it. Sit down with your Bible every day. Let your wife and your kids see that the most important thing to you is, or your cats, or your dogs, or whatever. But let them see that the most important thing to you is what God wants of you. And if you let it be the most important thing, more important than the way you entertain yourself, more important than the way you prepare yourself, more important than the way you feed yourself physically, more important than the way you comfort yourself emotionally, if you will make it the most important thing of all, then God promises you nothing less but access to the throne room of God. And More often than not, we don't have it. And we don't have it because we didn't get out of bed today saying I'm going to Whatever got so I know I've got I've got this job to do I got to be here on time I gotta I gotta clean this up I gotta fix this I got I gotta do whatever I know what I have to do I gotta get out of bed and go to work Let's say eight a.m. or I gotta get out of bed and I gotta start doing what I gotta do at noon or whatever and we're going to bed at night we're thinking about that and that's not thinking about what God wants you to do There is a difference Where is the word Where is listening to God Where is coming together in service in the charge of the church activities, which is to share with everybody the love of Jesus. Oh, but there were prudent men and women who knew that that's what they were supposed to be doing, but they didn't want to do it. They found another reason not to answer the if call because there was so much evil going on around them. There were people in their household that didn't want to hear it. People on their street that didn't want to hear it because they were afraid of being attacked on social media or whatever. So they kept quiet. And in keeping quiet, they lost access to the throne room of God. We mustn't. We must not do that. God says, if, if you will govern my house, if you will take charge of my courts, I will give you access to the throne room right here where God is, where the angels of God are, And where Satan is. And you are greater than he is when you have the ear of the God of the universe. It's time, folks. In case you didn't like Jesus saying it, Paul also wrote, and he's not the only one. It's all over the New Testament. We have now been given the ministry of reconciliation to bring peace between men and God. Those who just prayed to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior a few moments ago are destined for heaven now. Now whether or not they take on the tasks that God has given them in this lifetime that will be up to them. But when and if they do God will give them access to the throne room of God. You could sum it up this way. You must do you. You're different than me. I'm different than you. Each of us must do this. Govern this house of the Lord. And then take charge of the courts, the areas around the house. You do you as the Lord has made you and is remaking you. But do this as well. Share the gospel. Make disciples. Lead people to Christ. And if you won't, and if you don't, you may still be saved. If you are saved now, you will still be saved. You will not lose your salvation. But you will lose your access to the throne room of God, as Israel did. There it is. Won't you covenant with us to take charge, to govern um, the house of God, which is us, our physical bodies, our walking personalities, and then also the courts around us as we do the ministry of the Lord and we answer the charge of the Lord to lead people to Him to represent Him well in the world. Obviously, you know in your heart of hearts what your answer to the question if is. This has been New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo. You can check us out online at churchtoledo.com. You can text G-I-V-E to 419-419-0095. thats is zero zero nine five in order to be able to give financially to the ministry. Uh if you'd like to come and partner with us in any of a variety way of ways to get the gospel out, we would be very blessed to do that. You're welcome to join us at Sunday service, Tuesday night Bible study. We've got BBS through the month of June every Tuesday night in the month of June with a special challenge for the children that if they memorize all of the Bible verses for the month that they get to dump concrete on the game guy. Mr. Michael. So we're pretty excited about all that's going on in the ministry. I ask you to come and join us. Pray for those who have made decisions to follow the Lord in a specific way in the ministry that they'll have strength and the wisdom of the Lord and guidance. Um, If you'd be willing to be a prayer warrior uh, or any other kind of partner, you can text P A R T N E R to that same phone number 419-419-0095 and then we will reach out to you with occasional updates and things you can pray about and other ways you might get involved. Thank you so much for choosing New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church podcast, and we ask you to reach new heights in Jesus right where you are.